This is Statehouse Blend, Missouri, a series of conversations with Missouri lawmakers and leaders about the policies and politics that affect people's lives. I'm Brian Ellison. In a season of intense political division, there is at least one area where Missouri lawmakers seem to have found common ground, criminal justice reform. Before getting into the Missouri House, Democrat Robert Sauls was a prosecutor, a public defender, a military lawyer. Maybe it's no surprise then that he's focused on criminal justice reform in his first term. He's co-sponsored bills that seek to change sentencing laws and create special veterans treatment courts. And he's found bipartisan support for them. I spoke with Robert Sauls about that, as well as about life as a newbie legislator. We also talked about where he thinks the state budget will end up as it makes its way through the General Assembly. Representative Robert Sauls, a Democrat from Independence, joins us. Welcome to State House Blend, Missouri. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So uh, your your first year in the legislature, how's it going so far? That's correct. Uh, honestly, I really I enjoy it. Uh, I am making friends across the aisle, making friends with my colleagues, and uh, just trying to do what we can to better this state. Is that what you expected, to make friends across the aisle? Yeah, I think it's, I mean, quite frankly, it's important. I, you know, with the numbers that the way they are, uh, we need to work with Republicans to try to get things accomplished. Uh, we also need to stick to our principles and stand strong to the things that we believe in. But um, ultimately, that's that's part of the process. Remind us what you did before you got elected last fall to uh, to the General Assembly. I was a prosecuting attorney. I've been a prosecuting attorney. I've been a public defender. I'm also a military JAG officer, so I do military law as well. And those are the types of things that I've been doing for the last approximate ten, approximately 10 years. Are there a lot of attorneys who've spent time both as prosecutors and public defenders? I don't know that there are a lot. Um, I think that there are there. Are, it's common for prosecutors to at some point perhaps maybe switch and, and you know go out on their own. But as far as doing both prosecution and and public, being a public defender, I think that's rare. I would say. What drew you to to be part of both lines of work? Well, honestly, I, I like both. I think they both serve good purposes, and um, I liked the idea of doing both because I think it made me better balanced and I, I could understand things from both sides and both perspectives. And I feel like it may ultimately made me a better attorney. You, you think you were a better prosecutor because of your public defense work and, and vice? I yeah. guess that's the order that went in defender <laughs> first and then prosecutor. Yes, I, I, th I think so. Um, how has it informed your uh, service as a legislator? How has being a, a public yeah. defender and prosecutor? Yeah, your background. I Quite frankly, uh, I would say it's, it, it really helps in that sense because as a prosecutor, you have to work with public defenders. As a public defender, you have to work with prosecutors. So in this realm, uh, I'm, I'm working with uh, Republicans across the aisle to try to, to make bills better or stop bad bills or, or try to do things to, in that sense. So I think it's, it's – I guess my, my stance would be I'm no stranger to conflict and working in, around that. So in uh, in this session, one of the hot topics, and it's been a topic that's got a lot of attention on both sides of the aisle, is criminal justice reform. Um, let's just unpack that phrase for a moment. In a sentence or two, how would you describe what that means, criminal justice reform? Well, I would say criminal justice reform takes on many different areas. Uh, for me personally, I think it is what can we do well, – well, let me put it this way. I think for Republicans, it's a matter of reducing prison size. For for Democrats and perhaps others, I would say that it's about trying to make the system work. And I think the idea of just imprisoning the population doesn't really 
it's not necessarily the best way to go. Obviously, some people need to go to prison, and that is something that, that should happen in, in those instances. But also, I think that when it comes to things like um, addiction, I think, quite frankly, we need to be working on treating the addiction. I don't think it, it, it's good to th- throw people in prison for addiction if if you haven't tried other avenues first. And, and, and that, for me, it stems from uh, treatment court, mental health court, uh, things of that nature, I think, really help. So criminal justice reform, broadly speaking, is about reducing prison populations, about shortening the amount of time that uh, offenders, at least some offenders, spend in prison. And it's the kind of thing that Republicans and Democrats both find themselves supporting, although it might be for different reasons. Oh, absolutely. I, I think it's for different reasons. And quite frankly, um, Democrats have been on this this topic for many for many years, and even if it's not the same reason, I'm I'm happy that we can get together and and get to the same resolution. Well, there are actually a number, as you said, a number of different uh, issues within that umbrella of criminal justice reform. One of the the most significant uh, bills that is making its way through the legislature is one that is uh, its sponsors are calling the Missouri First Step Act. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is one that uh, would give more leeway to sentencing guidelines to uh, in cases of nonviolent crime. It would uh, say that individuals on probation with a private company would not have to sub- uh, who are applying to a private company would not have to submit to drug and alcohol testing unless ordered by a judge. We've got uh, reductions in um, fines and in jail potential jail time uh, for local governments and the, the, the crimes that they punish. Where do you stand on that legislation? I, I support it. And quite frankly, I think uh, the House supports it. it it's Democ- it's uh, That is uh, a bipartisan issue. You'll have some people on the Republican side who don't support it, but large I believe it is supported in the House. And it's coming from a, a special committee chaired by Republican Shamed Dogan uh, mm-hmm. from Baldwin, uh, who uh, is is ta- really taking the lead on a number of these issues. That's correct. Yes. You're also the co-sponsor of uh, House Bill 42, which deals yes. with a child's right to counsel in criminal proceedings. Uh, talk about that. Sure. So essentially what that does is it gives, it, it, it requires that Children have attorneys throughout the process, uh, and quite frankly, I don't think that's as big of a problem here in Kansas City. I was, in addition, so I, I guess I left this out. I was an attorney for the uh, juvenile officer, so I did I did prosecute juvenile cases as well as abuse and neglect cases. So that was one area I left out uh, when I was mentioning that earlier. But quite frankly, I think this is a good area. Th- this this town, the city does a good job of ensuring that juveniles have a right to counsel. The bigger concern in this area, I believe, is kind of some of those um, smaller areas, smaller counties with uh, fewer, fewer incidents, such as uh, fewer incidents. Those areas, I, I believe, tend to have are the ones who tend to have the problems with this. Give me an example. What like is there a particular example you can think of of where there was a, a case where a child wasn't represented by counsel, but you think should have been? I, I think overall there's a general push to there's a, there's a, a thought that okay, so juvenile. Let's say for example, juvenile comes in, juvenile confessed. Uh, this is just you know. The, the standard protocol is probation. There's kind of a push to, okay, let's not just waste time. Let's just get this thing going. You know, we'll get your probation. You'll be back on your way and just kind of, you know, kind of skip through the steps without actually ensuring that they have a right to counsel. So do I personally have an incident uh, or personal knowledge of that? Not particularly, but I do. Be- I know that, that that's a general overall 
uh, theme that happens within the juvenile within the criminal court system with the criminal justice system in general. So um, I do know that it happens in that sense, and I'm I'm quite certain it happens in in smaller areas where. We all know what, what the outcome is going to be. We know that this is likely going to be a probation case. This is, you know, kind of, we're all going working toward the same goal, so to speak. So let's just kind of step over some of these areas. Mm-hmm. And that's how, I, that's how I could see it happening. I think a lot of people are surprised that that, that isn't even uh, already a law, that, that oh, sure. you would, there'd be a requirement that, that children be granted counsel at each stage of the process. I, I think that, would, that is a shock to, to many people. So, yeah, I, I would agree. That bill is also a, a rare case of a where the primary sponsor is a Democrat, your colleague Ingrid Burnett, yes. um, who uh, and it, it appears headed for passage. It passed the the House, uh, I Correct. believe, uh, by a wide margin. Yes, yeah, I, I think, and honestly, uh, I believe we did work to make that bill a little bit better too, because the original draft of that bill had uh, language in it that would basically prevent. Uh, confessions in any in any sense, and and we did work to correct that language so that that's no longer in there. And I think that's that was a good use of uh, bipartisan work in that sense. There's another bill you're a co-sponsor of that establishes veterans treatment courts in every judicial circuit in the yeah. state. Uh, mostly Republicans supporting that bill. You and one other Democrat, uh, Brandon Ellington uh, from Kansas City, uh, are the Democratic co-sponsors of, mm-hmm. of the bill. Um, how tell us about that? So I have uh, so that from a number of different areas. I am a, a member of the United States Armed Services, and I think you know I, I appreciate those who serve, and I I think that's very important. Uh, also, I, I as a prosecutor and as a public defender, I've worked with treatment courts, and I think that those are the the, the blend of both of those. I, I think it's a great thing. We need to be working toward treatment. Sometimes, and veterans have veteran specific issues. Uh, so sometimes that sometimes it's drugs, sometimes it's PTSD, sometimes it's mental health. It's one of those those areas that encompass many different things. And I think, quite frankly, we need veterans courts, we need treatment courts. If, if we're truly going to get on criminal justice reform, then then treatment courts, in my opinion, are the absolute best way we can do that. And the way that would work is that uh, a veteran is charged with a crime; their case would somehow get redirected into these special courts where they might receive. Uh, a different kind of treatment, a different kind of response than if they were in just a regular criminal court? Yes, they would ultimately receive, that's exactly correct, they would ultimately receive different, uh, more tailored treatment. So if it's if it's a veteran who's experiencing experiencing PTSD, it's good, beca- and it's also good because they have, um, there there are more veterans involved within it. So when you go and you're, and you're seeking help, you have veterans who are also, who understand. They've been where you are, they, they, they've been through the same types of things that you've been through. So ultimately, this is a way to, to, to get help and, and treatment in that way. And like, like I said before, it's not just it's, it's PTSD. It's um, it's it's drug and alcohol. It's mental health. It's one of the veterans courts really kind of treat everything else. And, it, and it's designed specifically with the intent to try to help veterans. Uh, and it passed 149 to 3 in the House. It's uh, working its way through the Senate now. Uh, just to play the devil's advocate, though. Sure. I mean, why why single out veterans? Uh, aren't there other uh, people who experience trauma of sure. different kinds or who are first responders in different settings who, who might also benefit from that kind of uh, redirected treatment? And I think, quite frankly, I think it's it's 
steps, just it's baby steps. I, I'm I'm a huge proponent, a big fan of treatment courts. I always have been. I think they're a great tool, a great resource. What this does is this requires veteran treatment courts. Um, I believe that ultimately opening up that door will also produce more funding, not just for veterans courts, but also for treatment courts in general. So uh, I see this, I see, and I, I'd agree. I mean, it's not um, it's not like any like like other people aren't or shouldn't have these options as well. I just believe this is a way that it's going to help uh, everybody. Another uh, bill, and all of the bills we're talking about have uh, pretty solid bipartisan support. Here's another one uh, that restores voting rights to convicted felons after they are out of prison. That has uh, Republican and Democratic sponsors, and uh, seems to be getting really positive response. Yeah, I, and I think that's great too. I think that's, I, I think that's very important. You, you know, uh, ultimately people have served their time. They come back out. I believe that they should they should be given the opportunity to to vote. It's a it's a right, and I th- I think we should treat it as such. Is there a concern on the part of either party that uh, that these new voters in the system will benefit one party more than the other? I don't think. I, I think the idea that it's just going to that that you know the floodgates are going to open and all of a sudden this this big swath of of, of people who are released from prison are going to come in and just upset the the balance. I don't necessarily believe that. I think that it's just, it's something that we should do. It's a right guaranteed by the constitution. It's very important. And and quite for, I don't personally think it's going to, you're going to see, you know, it's going to change the, the way, uh, who's, who's, who is, um, elected. I think it's just, I'm, I'm sure there are people who feel that way, but I don't personally think so. I guess as you look at this whole broad range of issues that's gaining traction this year, um, in a in a time in our political culture where Republicans and Democrats really are not working together on all that much, I guess I'm curious why you think criminal justice reform is finally getting traction now when, when it couldn't before. I think, quite frankly, it's because they don't want to build more prisons. The governor has indicated he's not willing to put more money into prisons, and ultimately... I think this is this is an area of concern for at, at this time for both parties, and I think the thing that I'm that I like the most about this is I believe we're really going to focus on addiction, and really work to try to get people off this off the off of drugs because it's not just I think things that people don't think about is it's not just the it's the addict it's not just the drugs right so it's not just the the charge uh, the possession of heroin this heroin addict needs money. He doesn't have a job. He's going to, you know, possibly steal, rob. Um, you know, there are a lot of crimes that stem from addiction and it's not just, well, we're going to have fewer addicts on the street. It's also, we're going to have less crime if, if it's done right. And I believe our treatment courts are, what we do is we reduce the number of people who are addicted to drugs, therefore reducing crime overall in general. And I, I think that's a win-win for every, absolutely everybody. Are there other states that have adopted some of these measures that, that you think have, have resulted in positive outcomes? Yes. I, I, I think that, that uh, a lot of states have taken this approach and probably for the same reasons that, that we are. Um, you know, you, you don't want to build more prisons. So what do you do? Well, let's, let's try to treat some of these, these other areas and see if we can make a difference and an impact. And, and, I, and, and I believe that's exactly what we're doing. There's uh, another bill that you are co-sponsoring that is uh, also interested in reducing drug addiction in the state. And that, of course, is one we've talked about a lot on this podcast, mm-hmm. the Prescription Drug Monitoring Program. Yes. Uh, will this finally be the year that Missouri uh, joins the other 49 states <laughs> in, in having one? I believe so. I think we were actually there this year. 
Um, I, this is and this is a good example of true bipartisan support because, quite frankly, if if the Democrats sat this one out, this bill would not be passed. There was a lot of opposition on the other side. Quite, you know. Thankfully, there was enough to get it across the finish line, but it is is really one of those areas that without the, you know, the, without the forty plus Democrat votes that that came on this, it wouldn't pass. And um, I believe they've they've done this enough, they've worked through this enough. Uh, my my understanding is that um, the language is 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 just the way it needs to be to get through the Senate. At least that's my in my conversation with others with the senators. It's my understanding that's where we are. So I think it is going to be the year. Uh, but you know, <laughs> come back in another six months and let you know. Well, I mean, let's let's talk about that. It does appear that uh, most of the progress on really all of the issues we've talked about today has been on the House side. Yeah. The Senate, for its part, for whatever reason, this this session has. Uh, has had some issues in terms of even within the Republican majority, uh, some conflicts over sure. the best ways to proceed. Uh, it's a place where even one or two senators can can cause sure. a lot of delay, perhaps run out the clock on things and keep them from passing. How optimistic are you that for all the bipartisanship, all the good feelings in the House <laughs> on these criminal justice issues, that it will actually get through the Senate? With this, with prescription drug monitoring, monitoring in, in particular, or just well, criminal justice in general? Uh, you, you mentioned that you think prescription drug monitoring yeah. has what it needs. How about criminal justice in general? I think this is an area that everyone is is interested in. This, the governor has has come out and said that this is that he's very interested in this particular issue, uh, and I think I can see it in in uh, in the House and in the Senate. As far as particular bills, I don't I don't know how they they're matching up in the Senate right now, but I think we will absolutely see some some criminal justice reform come through this year. I absolutely think so. With a couple of minutes we have left, I, I'm just curious, uh, you, you come into the House this year as a new legislator, um, but there's a lot of things that are new this year. There's a new speaker in the House, yeah. there's a new governor uh, since the start of the prior session, there's right. new Democratic leadership as well. Are you impressed by the smoothness with which the wheels of legislation turn in the Missouri House or uh, or not so much? Well, uh, I think there's there's smoothness and there's rockiness and I think it just depends I think it depends on on when and uh, and where essentially uh, there are efforts that we can get through uh, but quite frankly there is also a supermajority and we are in we've seen with 117 Republicans to essentially 43 Democrats 47 Democrats we are in a pl- place where um, not a lot of Democrat ideas get through uh, you know not a single Democrat amendment was added to the budget this year, and that's the first time that's happened since since the Democrats lost the House in twenty in two thousand three, and um, those are the types of things that that I would point to as as kind of the the rocky situation. Uh, there are things that go through uh, rather smoothly. I think um, prescription drug monitoring. I think some criminal justice reform issues are going to go through smoothly. And, and and some of the issues I've seen in committee, some of the bills we've had. Uh, I'm on the Judiciary, Insurance, and Veterans Committee, and I've seen a lot of bills go through with bipartisan support. So, I think on the one hand you can say it is it is really smooth, but on the other hand it's also rocky. It just depends on what the issue is. 
you mentioned the budget. Uh, I, I guess I'm curious for your thoughts. Uh, do you support the budget that eventually the House approved and is now working its way through the Senate? I, I, I don't because uh, for a number of reasons. As I, as I mentioned earlier, this is the first time that, that not a single Democrat amendment was added, and that's essentially unprecedented. It just doesn't happen. Uh, I'm also concerned revenue is down 8.7%. And their projections are, I, I believe, two uh, percent on, on an additional one point seven percent. We've got a we've got a real revenue problem in the state, and there are going to be some shortfalls. There are going to be cuts, and they're going to have real consequences. And I don't think that they're planning for that appropriately. Um, Missouri ranks last, or forty ninth, or fiftieth, depending on you know on the particular issue, but uh, in the nation for various various. Uh, Spending, we're mm-hmm. only four states in the nation collect less state revenue per capita than Missouri, and, and there's just we're got, we have a real revenue problem. And and so what I think the logical conclusion of you saying that is is that we need to be we need to raise taxes. We need uh, we need people to pay more. Is that what you're saying? Well, I'm not necessarily saying saying that. I think that there are issues. You know, we give out um, Missouri gives away over one billion in special corporate giveaways. And You're talking those, about tax credits yes. uh, for for particular corporations. Yes, yes, and tax loopholes, and um, you know I think we're, we're in a situation. It's not like it's it's not like I think we should just completely raise taxes. I, I do, however, think a, a internet sales tax could could come in handy. I think that we, that could help, and not just from the from that perspective, but also some of these smaller um, brick and mortar stores who are trying to compete with bigger businesses, I think that would help them as well. So in that sense, maybe in that area, I would say, but I, I quite frankly think we give a lot of money to to corporations. And um, while we expect local communities to kind of make up the make up that gap, and I don't think that's right. I think at the end of the day, it's about supporting the middle class and, and making sure that the middle class uh, runs effectively and efficiently. And I think that's, that's very important. So you don't think it's necessary to raise... Uh, personal income taxes in the state of Missouri. Correct. That's not, uh, yeah. Which of course would require a vote from the voters anyway, which right. uh, no one no one seems to have the appetite <laughs> for proposing. Right. Um, as you look to the rest of the session, uh, the budget is now uh, out of your hands, at least until the Senate uh, brings and the conference committee brings something back. But Correct. what uh, what are your priorities uh, the rest of this time? I just want to do. I want to go down. I, I came down there to represent the people of my district. I'm born and raised from Independence, Missouri. Grew up here. I'm from here. This is this is my home. And I want to ensure that this place gets adequate representation. So for me, uh, we can't change the numbers where we are. It's there's a supermajority. A lot of there's. I don't think a single piece of Democrat legislation has actually made its way to the floor yet. My understanding in years past, uh, I don't know, approximately one, two, three or so get through at the end of the year. So it, as far as actually passing legislation, that's a little bit hard in a super majority type situation that we've got right now. However, I have seen and been able to offer a lot of insight to help make bad bills better. We've got Title IX coming up. Um, I'm sure that's going to be coming up relatively soon. I still don't support title the, the, the Title IX bill. However, remind us what that is. Oh, sure. Yeah. So, so basically, in, in theory, I, I get it and I support it. It's, it's basically due process rights for accused in a in a. Uh, education environment. So at a college or university, it's, it's about uh, increasing due process for the, for the accused in those types of situations. Situations of sexual assault, for example. Yes. Okay. 
Yes, and, and, and in theory, I, I absolutely support that. I think there should be due process rights. That's not the problem. What, what the problem is, the legislation is being drafted by uh, people who don't necessarily have the interests of everybody involved, and that is a, is a big concern. Uh, I know that during the committee hearing, I was the one who brought up rape shield. That was never addressed, and basically rape shield is, is something that protects victims from having to go into in-depth into other experiences. So if a, if a victim accuses an individual of a sexual assault, then the defense attorney doesn't get to come in and say, and just open up Pandora's box of every single sexual encounter this person has ever had with the, and the whole point behind rape shield is that it's meant to discourage, it's meant to not discourage people from coming out uh, with sexual assault. But in the bill that's being considered now in the legislature, there is no such protection. There, it wasn't, but because that was not in the bill, but during committee, that was an area that I focused on and uh, really harped on that. And ultimately, the uh, representative David Gregory is the chair, and he uh, afterwards discussed with me. He, he was uh, very respectful, said thank you for for bringing up these issues, and ultimately, as a result of that, did add an amendment to the bill that did protect that is meant to protect those types of scenarios. So there are things that we can do, and and that's what what I really enjoy. Uh, I, I really enjoy making a positive impact. That's why I went down there. That's what I want to do, and I want to keep fighting for that. And that's and it is a good thing. It's Representative Robert Sauls. He's a Democrat from Independence in his first term in the Missouri House of Representatives. Making some progress, it feels like, and that sounds like a good thing. Yes, thank you so much. I, I appreciate it. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Statehouse Blend Missouri is a production of KCUR 89.3 in Kansas City. I'm Brian Ellison. Thanks for listening.